Welcome to The Gap, where it's our mission to bridge the gap between javelin and baseball training styles. I'm Bret Hart, founder of Hitman Performance, head training conditioning coach at Grind Athlete Performance, and ex-collegiate baseball player turned powerlifter. And I'm Dan Labadia, javelin coach at Southern Connecticut State University and the man behind Jack Javelin. Hope you guys enjoy the show. Like Ben Brutus is like, it's six weeks and he price hit his programs 150. But if you win it, if you like, if you come in first, you get a thousand dollars. Damn. But he has 300,000 followers or 200,000 yeah. followers. So I'm sure he's gotten so many. Yeah. He, all he needed was 10 people. Yeah. And he had, he gets the payout. I'm almost at 10 K. You got dude, 50 more. That's sick. Dude, you, you, you got 10 K way faster than Yoakum ever did. And then, yeah. Yoakum, and then Yoakum had the one post that blew him up to 40. Yeah, that was nuts. Yoakum's growth has been super rapid. That was what was not a little... Re- no, not really. Well, this year. This, this year. year, yeah, this this year. Yeah, but like that's what I was a little disappointed because the first video that I had of Jordan that got like over 40,000 likes, that got me from like like 500 followers to like 6,000. Like, <laughs> and like and, two, and Kevin months. was boosting you a lot during that yeah. time too. And then I had the one of me in Florida... This like three weeks ago. Dude, this like a, a five second clip. Of Dude, that's why. That's what, why it, that's the, it blew up was because everyone watched the whole thing. Yeah, and yeah. that's what Yoakum talks about, like the low IQ, high IQ posts. Yeah, it's like your low IQ is literally sissy cute. squat sun emoji. Forty four thousand likes. It's a five second reel. It took yeah. you five seconds to make that. I know. <laughs> and I'm literally watching it, and I'm like, dude, I could do way better than this too. Yeah. Like, I'm watching it. I'm like a little stumbly on the way down, but I was with Kevin and Mike, and they were kind of focused. And the on lighting, like, the shirt was off. Yeah, yeah. they were throwing session. I was like, I didn't want to bother them to take a new one. I was like, whatever, I'll just post this. But I mean, it's just like the music and like, yeah, I don't yeah. Know. Took five <laughs> seconds. <laughs> Clip, <laughs> audio, post. <laughs> yeah, but here, that's what I wanted to show you about. So this dude, I'll have to send you this. It's like a documentary, but he he's like um he's like a DB at Arizona State, like five ten, like white dude, and his like training style. I forgot what this guy's name is, but they do all oh, these shit. like yeah. This is like old school. They're like the first person. They're the first people to like popularize this style of training. Yeah, then they got like, they talk, I don't know where it is exactly in here, but they talk about, um, with a lightweight up to five minutes before we begin doing this at different segments they talk of the about, training, we'll have weight on. They talk about how they, they train the biceps and like they got like, they're doing like a five pound dumbbell bicep curl and then they got like the partners pulling it back oh, yeah. and then they're just talking about how like, um, they basically like, you know, if you, if you look good, you feel good, you play good and just like how, um that kind of translates to the field in itself and it's just like a confidence boost and they're like and it takes like five extra minutes to like put in the extra the positive just you know building the biceps and like, they're like it doesn't it, doesn't take that much yeah time it's like, energy away that's why tim Gro- that was tim grover's um i told you about that with jordan like how like when he takes the warm-up off his biceps look jacked yeah it's like intimidation it's just literally an intimidation factor yeah it's people like oh fuck jordan's ripped now yeah exactly and tyson coming out of prison looking like a freaking killer all right so we're going to be talking about hypertrophy today and how it can benefit athletes um specifically throwing athletes as well um i always think this is a funny one because i was kind of on like opposite sides of the spectrum on this at one point uh if you know anything about me and my story like i was super big into football in high school and 
football and bodybuilding, whatever was my style of, of lifting, not really much knowledge behind it, just kind of crushing the weights as much as I can, getting as big as I can, um, led to excess weight gain and whatnot. And then tore my UCL, had Tommy John and discovered mobility and thought that lifting weights, not that it was bad, but definitely shied away from the bench press, shied away from the bicep curls because I didn't want to get tight and all this stuff. And then through enough years of experience, realized that you can do both and you can be mobile and you can lift and have it help your sport and, and all that. And here we are with Jack Javelin and this podcast and shedding light on that to help the next generation to not be scared to lift weights. So Brett, what, Brett what's your take on it? Yeah, well, I always love hypertrophy and bodybuilding style of training because that's what got me into fitness. Like watching Kai Green workout videos and Ronnie Coleman and Arnold and all those guys like Chris Bumstead, Jay Cutler. I will always have a spot in my heart for bodybuilding training just because I think it's I think it's just fun. I think it's, it doesn't really feel like a workout sometimes like comparative to like the sports performance side of things. Like I remember we, I was talking like going to the edge, doing like a back and bicep workout. I was like, it doesn't feel like training. Like, yeah, dude, it's, <laughs> it's, so, it's, it's so like, funny. Like when you go through like a full like sprint uh, training block or like you're just trying to get really fast and explosive, like that's way, that's way more difficult. Like that's way harder. And then you go to like a commercial gym and you just do some lap pull downs and bicep curls. You feel good, but like, I'm not even breathing that hard. Like yeah. it's, not, it's like, it's not overcomplicated, but you get a pump. And that's just, how I always felt like the month after the season is like, I think a lot of throwers can, and just athletes in general can relate to that, like feeling super depleted and weak, like at the end of the season, because whether your cardio is super high and you're, um, because you're in season, just playing games, burning calories, whatever. And then your, um, you know, your hypertrophy or your strength training is very low because you're not trying to get sore. You're trying to focus more on power and speed and explosiveness. So then you like season ends. And for people that are very driven, like when the season ends, you might take like two days off and then get back in the weight room the next week. And typically people will start super high volume again. And it's like that first week back, I just feel like a mutant. <laughs> it feels so big. It's You're like, so sore though. Yeah, You're so, you get so sore because you, you have no tolerance for it. Yeah. That's like the, I experienced that again this year when I went through that heavy throwing phase and we had that mock meet on Halloween so I was like in that speed power phase and I was like, I was barely doing legs. Only legs I was doing was like power cleans and, and split squat isos and that was it. And then like, um, and then the next week I started like basically hypertrophy clusters the next week and I was shot. <laughs> I did, no, I literally did 225 for the eight by five on squat. And by my like fifth set, I started feeling that like that tear feeling in my hamstring and glute. And I was like, I can't just not finish. I'm like, it's 225. Yeah. I literally benched the same thing the next day. <laughs> so what I did, I did, I did an 8 by 5 I did an 8 by 5 Monday on squat with 225 And then Tuesday, week one, I did 225 8x5 on bench. I did squatted and, dead, it, it, squatted it, and bench the same, same thing. Weight. Yeah, I mean. I'm, it was a complete shock to my system. I was so, I was so out of shape in that sense. Yeah. I mean, when I, I remember starting off, I would train very similar like you watch Sam Salek at all 
yeah, his yeah. videos. Dude, Anna and I will literally like sit down and watch a Sam Selleck episode Dude, like I once love, a week. <laughs> I love that stuff. I like it's just it's just awesome to watch. It's yeah. just entertaining to me because I just love bodybuilding and I love the process that goes into like sculpting your yeah. body. Like funny point about that too. Like one like this is probably like episode like fourth time we're watching like a forty five minute Sam Selleck thing like on the couch like weeknight just hanging out. And Anna just looks at me and she's like, "Is he on steroids?" And I'm like, "Nah." I'm like, "I'm like, yeah." And she's like, "What? Really?" Oh, I'm like, "Bro, yes. what do we do?" Yes, yes, he is. He is enhanced. Every every bodybuilder that you know is on steroids. Yeah. The natural bodybuilders, no one knows who the, the, yeah. they are. But um, yeah, about hypertrophy clusters, that's like my favorite way to train for hypertrophy, and I think I've given it to a lot of athletes and just even some general population like some adults because i think it just works really well uh after the fifth rep you don't really it always like the technique always goes down especially with like newer athletes that don't really know like how to squat or how to deadlift so i think five reps is like the perfect cutoff and then you just do a lot more sets so you're able to keep the movement efficiency really high but you're still getting a lot of mechanical tension because you're able to get heavier because you're not doing the normal hypertrophy training of like eight to 12 or yeah. sets of 15 or like higher reps like that because yeah. especially in a novice or even intermediate lifter, the technique definitely starts to break down. If you're doing like four sets of 10, yeah. by the time you get to the third or fourth set and like your eighth rep, like it's just gonna be really slow and it's not gonna look that good. So. With clusters, it's a Jake. It's Jake Taro's program. Uh, if no one knows who he is, I highly suggest looking him up, especially if you have knee pain too. But I love the eight by five rep scheme, and then it goes ten by four, then twelve by three, with minutes rest in between. And like just the thought process behind it always made sense to me, because the bar speed's gonna stay relatively fast as you go, so you're still working some type of explosive strength while you're still getting the hypertrophy output. When I first did it, I didn't think I was gonna get that sore. But I did it again Monday. I did I did two forty five on the SSB, like eight sets of five, and then the step ups, eight sets of five, oh. which suck. I hate the step up. The step ups. The do step up and the reverse lunge, <laughs> and, then, and, then the, and then the um the body flies are crazy, bro. The body weight. Yeah. Right. So so in this program too, you got. It is also like one of my favorite programs too, and I I took a lot of it and put it in Jack Javelin as well, just because. The whole first month is hypertrophy based and then the program slowly gets my program slowly gets more like power and speed based Mm -hmm. and or strength based strength based yeah but month one month one is kind of like that general prep and that's why i used a lot of the hypertrophy cluster stuff in it but like you got four sets of 25 um doubt flies and then right into like exactly right into four sets of 25 um, or so it's like one, one set here and then right into the super set of the bent rear over delts, rear yeah. delts. And so you're basically doing 50, 50 reps in a row and then it's a minute rest cause it's upper body. And I was doing like five pounds and then by the, by the end of the first, it was like week one, I think it was by the third set or something by like, by the second, I literally had to drop the weight. <laughs> I was just body weight. body weight. I was just flapping my arms. <laughs> it's, it's hard it's dude it is super hard yeah really? i i love that style of training and i think a lot of athletes can benefit from it too just from a 
mental standpoint of getting that pump feel yeah. and knowing how to like feel different types of muscles contract and relax. And I, I still love it from just a movement efficiency standpoint too. Cause I remember starting off with like a, like a middle schooler, like doing goblet squat. Like if you do eight sets of five goblet squat, they can progress relatively quickly week to week because you're getting 40 reps in, but it's not like you're doing 40 in a row. You get your five reps, you do a minute rest, like do some mobility in between and then go right into it again. But I, I love that. Jake Turr's program is elite. It's like 20 bucks. Like I, I'd recommend it to everyone to go, go get it. Read his ebook yeah. that he has on it as well. But um, yeah, hypertrophy gets kind of like a bad rep for athletes because yeah. I know a lot of coaches are like, only focus on the explosive power. Like that's what you do in the sport. Like you only train concentrically, you just jump, sprint, plyos, get strong like it's all yeah. like it's all good but, but what i what i like about the eight by five into like the 10 by four into the 12 by three though too is that really the hypertrophy aspect of it is how many sets you're doing and the short rest and then like on upper bodies you have the supersets so you're able to do so much more weight than a traditional like four by ten or five by ten which like for me is like if you're going from like a four by ten or five by ten and say you're doing bench and you're doing like 155 or something like that because you're getting gassed, you're getting burnt out. If you're doing a five by 10, you're still probably doing it with a low rest period, but like you can only do so much weight for like 10 reps. And then if like the next month or do you do that for two months, the next month you go to like a five by five, you're gonna be doing like two, like say you do 245 or whatever. It's gonna be like a huge difference between the amount of weight you're doing in the hypertrophy phase versus the strength phase. But then like, after you complete something like hypertrophy clusters where you're going like eight by five, 10 by four, 12 by three, you're still able to do a decent amount of weight. Yeah. So this, it's more of like a seamless transition into a strength phase where, you know, for like, I'm trying to think of an example for myself. Like if I were to finish the 12 by three, I would probably finish at like, if I was really like really good with my diet and everything for two months, I'd probably finish around like, 265 for 12 by three on bench or something like that. But then if I was starting a five by five, I'd probably pick up right at like 275 for a five by five. Yeah. So it would only be like a 10 pound jump, you know, where like that prepares me a lot more going into that strength phase than if I were to be doing five by 10 at like 205, <laughs> 205 or whatever yeah. I could do. Cause like for me, I'm not good in high rep ranges either. I mean, I don't train that way a lot anymore so like that's probably why um but like you know if i was doing like a four by ten five by ten i'd probably finish out in between like 205 and 225 and then my five by five would next month would start and i would be like at 275 whereas like the 12 by three would get me a lot closer to that weight and then the strength phase would be even better because i've established that foundation yeah you get acclimated a lot better with heavier weights too because i like that's what i like about the lower reps the the 12 by three does kind of suck just because there is a lot of sets. So it feels like you're just there for a while. Yeah. But um, I, I really like the acclimation of the heavier load and how you can just prepare your body for it as you're going into more of a strength phase that you're just used to it. Mm -hmm. Like your central nervous system knows how to handle a little bit heavier weights. And if you're not soft with it, like you can you can put a lot of mass on, especially if you're eating in a caloric, yeah. caloric surplus and not being soft with the diet. Like it, Hypertrophy training is like not that complicated. Like you have to train close to failure, 
have high amounts of mechanical tension and you have to eat enough. Yeah. Like that's the, the three main things really. Well, that was what I actually had one of my best body recomposition phases when I did hypertrophy clusters because I took my body fat at the beginning of the summer of 2022 and I was 12% body fat. And then I cut all summer and I was in a hypertrophy phase, right? Like I was doing like a lot of volume, but very lightweight, just a lot of supersets, very low rest. But I was just, I continued to cut my calories. But as the summer went on, I was losing more muscle mass and just getting weaker. So my body fat percentage over the summer, even though I was losing weight, it went from 12% up to like 13.5% because I was losing muscle mass. So from June to August, I went up a one and a half percent body fat, even though I lost weight. Then I started um, hypertrophy clusters and increased my calories and made sure I had a pre-workout carb, a post-workout carb, and just had a lot of protein and wasn't as strict with the calories. And I gained like like three or four pounds, but like my body was holding on to more glycogen. I was performing at a much higher level. I was using the the more extra calories to fuel my workouts more, and I still was in that like high high volume phase and I gained weight and I my body fat percentage went down to like 12 and a half. So like my body fat at like 220 or whatever was basically the same as it was when I was like like 217 and it, my body fat at 220 was better than it was at the end of the summer when I was like 214. So I thought that was really cool too to see that like how how it kickstarted that that body recomp, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah, um, I just know I love it, and then it, it helped me a lot with um, like just getting acclimated with the heavier weight. Because whenever I did upper body like hypertrophy training, I would never go that heavy, and so that's why my bench would always suffer. Mm-hmm. But then being able to do, I think I got up to two forty five for the twelve by three. Like if I ever tried to use two forty five for, I would never use two forty five for hypertrophy training because it would just be too heavy for me, and my squat would definitely improve the SSB is my favorite squat variation. So I would do a ton of that. And I would always about back squat has too much shoulder ER <laughs> for my left shoulder. Yeah, bro, my left shoulder freaking gets angry on that. And especially if I'm doing a lot of uh, barbell benching, the left shoulder just does not like, that was a joke, by the way, to all the listeners who can't tell my sarcasm. If you have proper shoulder mobility, you should be able to barbell back squat. Should. There's all. It was cool yesterday, actually. This is a tangent. This is an hypertrophy. But we have this pitcher that is committed to Bryant. He throws like 94. Big, big kid. But his right arm, his shoulder hangs lower than his left. So he has like a he has a smaller lat on his right side. Interesting. So like I was I was just watching him squat, and he said he can't. The barbell just feels so uncomfortable on his back because the bone in his right shoulder protrudes up higher than his left so his left on his left side he's able to get in a comfortable position but on his right he's like oh this freaking kills is he right-handed pitcher yeah hmm. is that so he was born like that or? yeah oh, okay. he was born like that so like someone for that like yeah he can back squat but i think just the pain of it being on his shoulders limits the amount of load he can do yeah so that's someone that would be really good for an ssb squat yeah just because it's a lot more comfortable and he wouldn't be uh, it would it, it wouldn't be limited due to like just the pain in his shoulder instead of telling him to like suck it up like mm. the kid needs his right arm like he like he needs the right arm so he doesn't need to back squat like he needs to throw so trying to get him in just a comfortable position that's where like 
now every like obviously you want to be able to back squat, but there's going to be limitations where like it's not the best yeah uh, form of implement that you can use for an athlete or even an adult. Like there's no like a lot of adults don't need to back squat at yeah. all. Like they just need to move and overhead squat. Overhead squat. Yeah. Sorry again, sarcasm. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, you you find with like working with a lot of athletes and just seeing like how they move and like what you think is best for them. Like sometimes the back squat isn't the best uh, variation for them to use. And that's coming from being a powerlifter. Like I love the back squat. Back squat was my best lift when I competed, but that was like a hard pill to swallow. It's like, yeah, sometimes they can't back squat. It's like, yeah. we got to find another way to do it. That's why like SSB front squat, surgery squat. Yeah. Did you see my post about like me back squatting and being able to do the reverse Nordic curl? Yeah. Yeah. Is that it? Is yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just simple plug. Like, no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Go look at my Instagram post. <laughs> no, 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 no. I just think that it's just like, I mean, I haven't competed since I started training more of the barbell back lunge and more of the, um, the thrower stretch. But like watching my practice throws now and watching my block, obviously there's technical changes as well. But like my block was always so bad in college and like that video of me throwing you could see that like I would just hit the block and jump off of it and it was just not structurally sound and whatever but like I was super strong and super mobile still at the time but I was like I spent all my time in that like that bilateral body, yeah. stance instead of getting into that unilateral stance and that was just like that's just another example of like how I was telling you where I almost think that like sometimes like my my five years at Southern when I was like in charge of kind of like my own programming and, and whatnot, like especially the first three years when I was just clumped in with the, the shot putters and then I would sprint with the uh, quarter milers and then I was just left on my own basically throw. And um, it was just like stuff like that where I'm looking back on it and I'm like, why did no one like address that? You know, mm -hmm. because it was like, why, why am I so mobile in that bilateral stance with the reverse Nordic curl and the spinal segmentation in my psoas is obviously very mobile and my back squat was like, you know, over 450 pounds. Like why can I still not throw far? And it's like, all right, well, what about getting more mobile and stronger in that split squat position that actually helps your throwing a little bit more and getting stable and getting comfortable there. And so I think it's gonna be really cool to see how it translates to myself, but it's just like all that stuff now where I'm able to help out Nevin and Jordan, them realize that now at the age of like, you know, I started having them do that when they were like 20, 21 versus me. I'm 24 now just figuring that out. Yeah. So it's like, it's good to be able to help out and stuff, but that's where like you take the, you know, reaching out to other people like Kevin and the pitching doctor and Dr. Heenan and seeing what they do for their throwers. Cause they're all, you know, 30 and older, it's like now I'm, you know, able to learn that as like a, a method for my coaching going forward. Yeah. I mean, the unilateral strength is really important, especially for baseball and javelin throwers. Like you need to be yeah. strong on one leg, uh, even like a split squat or reverse lunge or like a rear foot elevated pistol squat, like all those things. Cause the majority of the sports played on one leg, yeah. like pitchers have to be strong in their back leg hitters have to have a strong foundation in the back leg because even when they stride, that front foot's going to be off the ground. Mm -hmm. The only one that's really going to be in a bilateral stance majority of the time is the catcher. Yeah. But even then, like, you need to be able to move your hips around yeah. in, the, in the bottom of the position and, like, know how 
to transfer your weight over to one side to throw down a second. Like if you just, a, like I always said, it was like a stagnant monster. Like if you get really good at back squat and you don't really work on anything else, like you're only going to be good at the back squat. Yeah. Like it gets to a point where your sports performance doesn't improve. Yeah. Well, that's how I was telling Nevin. I'm like, Nevin, you know, like you squat 500 pounds now. Like he's like same, similar build to you. That not as like not as I don't think he's as big as you. I mean, he is two hundred pounds. No, you you seem like you're bigger than him to me. Really? Yeah, I'm one eighty eight. I don't know. Never mind. <laughs> <laughs> I just I don't know. I think for me sometimes like even if I, I am short, I'm five nine. Yeah, so like the, like the stockiness does help me yeah, out. Yeah, well, yeah, because he's two inches taller. I think for me sometimes too, it's it's just funny because like even though Nevin's like pretty much strong. I mean, I don't know. He's stronger than me in the back squat, and right now his bench is probably the same as mine. But like I'll always just be stronger than even no matter what. Even no matter what, it's just like one of those things where it's like I just sometimes I see Nevin as like that little brother that I taught him how to lift for the first time and our first time working out together. He was like squatting like one thirty five. It's like weird to think that his PR back squat is like thirty five pounds more than mine now. <laughs> you know, so I, I could do that. Yeah. <laughs> nah, but I mean like it's one of those like proud father moments, I guess. But like. He's still, like, he has, like, that right now. He's got, like, that one lift. Kind of like how Jordan has the bench is, like, insane. His his clean is very good as well. But, like, Nevin's kind of in that boat right now where, like, his his squat is, like, everything. Yeah. And then his bench is, like, he only he needs to be heavy. Like, when he was, like, he came in this year at, like, 210 and he benched, like, 340. And now he's leaned out. And I'd be interested to see what he could bench now. Probably not as much because he's dropped weight but his squat is probably the same anyway what i was saying is i was like dude like you know we're rehabbing the elbow because you had the prp and stuff i was like you bulked up you got really strong you squatted 500 pounds it's like second semester senior year coming off a ucl injury and like you already have the strength and like it is time to like put all of our eggs in the throwing basket (laughs) you know what i mean and it's just like, yeah, like, you know, continuing to just hammer the weights and putting all your energy into that is not what's going to get you better this time of year. Yeah. I mean, that's what, like, the hypertrophy training, too, is, like, you don't want to get too obsessed with it. Like, yeah. you do feel good. Like, you look better, like, from a mental standpoint. Like, your, your confidence skyrockets just because you look in the mirror, you see muscles that are there that were never there before. Like, you get abs now. You're... Your back looks lean. Your your quads get some separation. Like every like everything looks cool. Like you look good. But does your sports performance improve? Yeah. Like that that's what the main thing is. Like you got to make sure you keep the main thing the main thing. Like I love hypertrophy training. Don't get me wrong, but I know for a lot of athletes that isn't the main priority. Yeah. I think a lot of high school kids can definitely benefit from more hypertrophy training, just more overall volume. Cause they need it. Yeah. Like they, cause they only work out. Say they come in three times a week, like ninety percent of them. That's the only activity they do yeah. throughout the week. So well, you I, need to like spike up the volume a little bit for them, and they can handle it and recover it because they're not doing anything else. Yeah. They're not like like me or you or like any other like person that loves the weight room. Like we know we're gonna work out minimum three times a week like yeah. minimum like that's like a low low end week for us like yeah. you most of the time it's four or five sometimes six times a week yeah. that we're going to be doing some type of training so like we can be a little bit smarter about it and like how we program and progress it but like for kids just starting off like from ground zero like Nevin being 
squatting 135 when he first started like his transformation was crazy yeah like he, he put on so much size and so much mass like he was what 160 coming in or probably like, yeah probably like 150 160. Was, yeah 150 160 he's like 200 pounds now like and lean like he's not yeah. he's like he's not fat he's like yeah. he didn't just get he just didn't just get fat so from like a mental side like yeah his, his uh it takes you to a point like his javelin uh pr definitely improved by what 13 thir- meters yeah 13 meters in three seasons and yeah so that's pretty it's significant so, it's so good amount yeah that's that's a lot that's a huge uh distance gain by throwing a two and a half pound implement or two it's two and a half right 28 ounces what's that Eight hundred grams. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's like two pounds. It's heavier than a baseball yeah, for sure. It, well, I think it's two pounds four ounces. I think. Yeah. yeah that's that's twenty eight. So. Yeah. So um, but then once you hit that point, like yeah, you look really good. You got your size metrics down. You're hitting all the weights you need to be hitting. Now you need to transition into a way of seeing what isn't filled and how can you improve from there. Yeah, that's like with me right now with like you know, everything I do with work and coaching and, you know, just life in general, getting super busy. I don't have the luxury of training like three to four hours a day anymore. So it's like, I have to be very specific and intentional, but I think that's going to end up like helping me the most. But, um, but like we were talking about, it's all always about like that initial deposit. And like, if you put in that time of like, gaining the muscle mass early on like nevin and i did now we're at a point where like all right you know we got jacked we threw 60 meters that's a very good base for people who you know pretty much like we're figuring it out on their own like you know i was learning it from kevin then trying to figure it out for myself and then teaching nevin and jordan and whatever and so that's like that was like the start of it and then now that i've really like learned a lot more about like coaching and javelin and stuff like that it's like we have that base now where like we don't have to hammer the weights all the time now in order to keep that size and i don't know if this is gonna be a hot take or what i think it's sort of a hot take for some people but like i think that like bicep and tricep hypertrophy and forearms too in season i think is like actually like really beneficial I think that, like, I don't know, for baseball, it might be a little different because you play so many games, but in Javelin, we only compete, like, once a week to every other week. So, if you just competed, I think, like, directly after the meet or, like, the couple days after the meet, hammering, like, biceps and triceps and, like, maybe a little bit of, like, forearms and shoulders and stuff is actually, like, really good for your arm health because it helps you. And you don't really get sore from it. So, it's like if you have proper mobility in your arm... And you stretch and you're doing enough to just get blood flow and, and keep a little bit of size on, but you're not really getting super sore from biceps and triceps because they're such small muscle groups. I think it's actually really beneficial for like post throwing. Yeah. I remember my, uh, like whenever I'd have to throw a lot, like say we had like a really long catching practice of throwing down a second catchers throw just as much as base as pitchers, but we're a lot more submaximal because we always have to throw the ball back, but we're, we're racking up. 100 200 throws a game and practice like and we have to do the warm-ups and the long toss and do all that but i always love doing um it was a four by 25 circuit of rope tricep press downs rope hammer curls and banded pull-aparts and i would do those three exercises four rounds through 
Obviously, it's not going to be heavy, but just enough to promote a lot of blood flow, and you just feel sick. You get yeah. you get a nice pump. And uh, I never really had any arm injuries whatsoever, and my arm always felt great the next day. Like just having to get that blood flowing and just working those areas that are getting used a lot. Like that arm can handle a lot of volume, so making sure everything's just strong and mobile and like just being able to use it like especially when you're not going to be playing for like a couple days i think pitchers can get away with doing some like band like banded curls or banded face pulls or anything posterior and working on the arm a lot like i had a a high school coach say like every bicep curl you do takes a mile an hour off your fastball like that's not true i was like you see like there's a lot of people with very hypertrophied biceps and triceps in the major leagues that throw gas like the pitching doctors he's not in the major leagues but dude his arms are pretty freaking big and he throws 100 miles an hour yeah. so like like yeah you don't want to do how old is he like 35 i honestly have no idea but he throws gas just for the sake of throwing gas like i don't even know like he's not competing in anything he's just a freak and so like that's the dream though it is the dream just, <laughs> just, just casually throw 100 miles an hour like, I feel like I've, I haven't seen videos of him throw like I've seen, seen them video? oh, I've seen him I've seen him throw down. but not like not like on a radar gun oh I've yeah dude he throws gas <laughs> he throws cheese alright keep talking I'm gonna pull it up yeah <laughs> but um I always like those just blood flow circuits I was just feeling good and dude like all high school guys want to do is get an arm pump yeah. like, that's all they want to do What's what I mean? I think that like, I think like a one by 100 bicep, one by 100 tricep, like, I don't know, like two by 50 delt raise. And then I I prefer like rear delt raises because my front of my shoulders are sore a lot of the time from throwing and benching and stuff. And then um, like dead hangs ISO. Mm Mm-hmm for grip strength and then like elevated hands elevated push-up iso for just like chest and stretching out the forearm putting pressure on the tricep and elbow and just like keeping that getting that literally like tom numb numb tingly feeling in your hands (laughs) and then that's like the the pins and needles that's like the best like post throw routine yeah you do one by 100 one by 100 Two by fifty. Body weight. Body weight. <laughs> Dead hang. One by one minute. <laughs> Maybe. Generous. Generous then, with a minute. And then hands elevated push up one by two minutes. Or I mean obviously for everyone it's different. Yeah. I mean I, I think it's just it's just fun. Like I mean we're speaking in the guy sense. I think girls definitely never want to do extra upper body, like fear of getting bulky, which isn't true. They will never you'll never get as bulky as a man per se, but I think that is just like a low hanging fruit for a lot of female athletes is training their upper body to be stronger and to be able to handle more like force because they have to throw a larger ball. They have to throw the softball. So I know any girl that throws a softball pretty fast can rip a good set of dumbbell bench. Like 40, oh, dude, yeah, I, just, I just saw the video of him throwing 99.8. <laughs> oh, 100. He just had 100. That's crazy. What, um, does he train at Tom Brady's place? Dude, I have no idea. I, have no, I know nothing about him. I know. I, I listen. All I know is that he's boys with Nevin. <laughs> yeah, that's cool. You know what I'm kind of salty about though? So Nevin, because pitching doctor follows me, 
right? Because I, like, tagged him in a post. I mean, he follows a lot of people, so, like, whatever. But he follows, like, almost 4,000 people. So, like, I'm just a number. But, <laughs> <laughs> but like, when uh, Nevin met up with him at the field, he he said, like, oh, Jack to Javelin, like, that's my coach. And he, like, didn't know who I was. And I was like, ah. <laughs> you don't know, man. You're going to find out, man. You're going to find out who You're going to learn today. You're going to learn today. I'm Jack Javelin. Rough in the brain. Yes, sir. But, um, what are we talking about? Um, I think we covered everything. Yeah. I mean, I, I think just the tangent that we were talking about, like, before we started is, like, like, I, I get a little tight on like coaches on Instagram that talk about hypertrophy training that just don't look good like at all. Like I, that sounds kind of douchey. Like I know, like I'm completely aware of it. But if you're gonna talk about like muscle building and hypertrophy and like looking good and like being jacked, like you should probably have muscle mass like on your frame. Like, gotta walk to, the walk to some degree. Yeah, you gotta walk the walk. You can't be a bag of milk and try to teach other people of like what hypertrophy training is like maybe for 80 years old that's why i don't like, that's why i don't offer a javelin coaching service online yeah because you suck at javelin exactly <laughs> it's like, like well, I, I can barely like, i can barely hold my own in like a pool like i can't swim that well i'm not going to give swimming lessons out or like like teach people how to swim because i read it in a book like i think it's just it's just funny to me like how like skinny frail people this sounds so messed up. It sounds bad, I know. What about but the fat ones? The fat ones work. I mean, they know. They got the eating, right? <laughs> they they redistribute those calories somewhere else. They definitely got the eating, right? But um, if you're going to be fat, at least be really strong. Uh, that's how, There you go. Like, yeah. You got to be... If you're, if you're 400 pounds... Well, what if you're skinny but you're fast and you're talking about hypertrophy? You just... It's like, I really don't, just like a stay in your lane type really, of thing. Really fast, skinny guys don't really... Have, I've never really seen them talk about hypertrophy because they're more focused on just being really fast and explosive. Hmm. Like, I've never seen, like, Les Spellman talk about hypertrophy training. I've never seen Tony Holler talk about it. Hmm. Like, he's talked about, like, athletic performance and, like, he, he mentioned Christian McCaffrey a lot. That's the thing I get. I don't get, too. They talk about Christian McCaffrey a lot and, like, how he trains, like, an athlete... And like explosive, he does. He just does concentrics, like partial range of motion, and like he does all this sprint work. That dude's ripped. Like the dude has so much muscle on him. Like, how do you think he got that? Like, yeah. like what do you mean? I was yeah, like, there's definitely like from the age of fourteen to like twenty five, he definitely all just did hypertrophy. Yeah, he definitely did a ton of like hypertrophy work. Like, yeah, I mean, maybe not now. Yeah, like, maybe not now, but like <laughs> you can't use like super high level athletes to be like, that's what you need to do at fourteen. I'm like, dude, no. Like your vert is. 12 inches like you need a lot like you need everything and you might as well look good doing it like yeah. that's like my whole thought process of it is like I never I mean I got into fitness mainly for baseball but then I started falling in love with it because I got down the bodybuilding rabbit hole and then it started like wanting to look better mm. and like, look good and just from like a status standpoint like if you walk into a room and you're in shape and you're, like you have broad shoulders and you look kind of buff people I think automatically just respect you more yeah, it's a it's a it's a confidence thing too. I mean, why do you think I'm I'm a good salesman? <laughs> like, <laughs> buy it. <laughs> <laughs> no, nah, but it's like you know we I mean uh, upward right like I mean it's no secret like our prices like right now our adult we have two week two times a week uh, for six weeks onboarding which is twelve hundred dollars and then the three three times a week is eighteen hundred dollars. Oh my god, it went up. <laughs> Yeah, have to. Inflation, man. But yeah, so like, I mean, that's what we offer. And like right now, 
we don't have a salesman. So either our Derek, our owner does it or I do it. And it's like, I don't know, maybe they have to pay it in full when they sign up and I've gotten multiple people to sign up for that. So, but I mean, I don't think it's because I'm great at salesmen. I think that like, I just know what I'm talking about. And like, I look like I'm in shape. Yeah. And people respect it. Yeah. It's like, oh, dude, this guy's Jack. I'm going to buy his program. <laughs> well, hey, the adults aren't buying my program, but no. I hype it up. Like, you know, but you got, you got to do what you got to do. Yeah. Ben Bigot had a funny thing about his post. It's just kind of like from like a pitching standpoint. Cause like I'm on his podcast tomorrow. Oh, hell yeah. Yo, shout me out. No, <laughs> I will. Shout out the gap. Hit me in performance. But, um, it's like, I'm not going to get on a mound and tell a pitcher like what they should be feeling and like how to throw like how to increase velocity. Like, I know the physical standpoints of it, but I don't know anything about the technique. Like I know a little bit of like getting into your hip and like the coil and big, t- whatever like tread talks about tread talks a lot about it. Like I don't, I throw like 65 miles an hour right now. Like I haven't thrown a ball in like three years. How am I supposed to teach people like how to throw? And Ben was like, he just had the funny post. Like if you throw 75, you don't need to feel anything. You need to throw harder. <laughs> it's like, it's like, you don't need to, work on your technique like your technique probably sucks because you throw 75 miles an yeah, hour you're moving in slow motion Every, <laughs> everything's out of sync Every, <laughs> that's, he's like, he's like, you don't need to feel like you don't need feels like i i baseball world gets into that a lot i don't know about javelin like uh, probably similar dude when i like the technique I, stuff like yeah. going everything at 50 percent yeah and like work on like like how you feel like yeah. in certain positions yeah no like it, dude you're like i definitely ran into that and like i, I think it back on our tommy john episode of me when i was going through that whole thing where it was like i had my tommy john or so sorry i had a torn ucl my freshman year so during practice i was like literally just not throwing at all and like i was doing very light picks and then all summer same thing i didn't really throw into the fall did only light picks and then through the winter did light ball throws and then finally got surgery in february so it was like basically a year of just light throws then i had surgery and the recovery process was all light throws for another year and then as i started to ramp up season gets canceled because of COVID, so i went right back into the off season and just didn't really have like a a sense of like how intense I should have been throwing in practice. Cause I was at this point, I'm two years into just throwing super low intensity and just had another year of just low intensity throws. I probably threw like one, like a couple hard throws in, um, in the fall. And then it just like started ripping up a bunch of scar tissue and left me in a really bad spot. And then again, the whole winter went really, really light ball throws and like turbo jab, super light, super like, just not not fluid because I was just going. I went through the motions for three years in my throwing. Mm-hmm. I was training super hard, got super mobile, got ripped, got jacked. But for three years, I was just going through the motions, and I had no feel for what the chest pull was. I had no feel for what the block felt like. I had no feel for what a fast right to left internal hip rotation felt like because I was moving in slow motion. Then you know the whole story, like my first throwback just obliterated my elbow because I threw it way harder than I ever had yeah, the last you never, you three never years. tried it in practice. Before, yeah, yeah, my arm was just not used to it at all. So it's like, yeah, like, you know, I started getting to that point where, like, my practice throws were sort of looking okay, but, like, even, like, getting the layback and stuff, like, my arm, my arm wasn't moving fast enough to hit that position. My right to left, I was super neutral because I was moving so slow. 
I didn't have that click right to left. And just like, then my back wasn't used to handling the, the force from the block. So I'd go into the meet and my block would be a mess or my, my back would be a mess because I didn't practice mm-hmm. like that fluidity. And so everything was just out of whack. That was my first year back. And then whatever, my senior, my senior year after that wasn't like so much better, but it was just a lot of like learning. And now I'm able to help people avoid that mistake. But yeah, you need, you need that fluidity in your throw and you can't be so robotic about it. Hypertrophy, hypertrophy clusters, episode one. <laughs> Do hypertrophy clusters, get jacked, get better at your sport. That's all I got. Yes, sir.